Hello, and welcome to the Tiny Moments Podcast. My name is Taylor Francisco, and I'm your host. The Tiny Moments Podcast is all about appreciating those tiny moments in life because one day you're going to look back and realize they were actually the big moments. Expect a lot of conversations about life, self-love, growth, and sometimes TMI. I hope that if you're listening, you take something away from this episode or you feel inspired or maybe you just feel a little bit happier than you did earlier. Thank you so much for being here with me and let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Tiny Moments Podcast. My name is Taylor from taylorfrancisco.com and I am a social media manager and coach, writer, content creator, podcaster, and more. Today's guest is very, very special. Tiffany is my go-to creator and businesswoman for everything marketing, mindset, and manifestation. She grew her online business from zero to beyond six figures in eight months. Her purpose is to empower women to step into the highest, most aligned version of themselves. I started listening to her podcast in the summer of 2021 before I even launched my business and before I quit my nine to five. Needless to say, she was a huge motivator for me to live my best life, both personally and professionally. So Tiffany, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Taylor, for the intro. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. So I'm a business activation coach. And what that means is I help people from literally around the world to activate their businesses. So all the way from discovering what it is that they actually want to do, what type of coach they want to be, who they want to serve, to building the program, marketing it, and then getting booked out working with their very first paid clients. And it's been a really, really beautiful and magical journey of being able to work with so many people from various backgrounds, whether they've come from corporate or they had various day jobs, whether they're working retail or in a restaurant or at a bar and really recognizing that they're meant for so much more, I think is the underlying common denominator of all of these people that and I'm sure that you've experienced yourself that there's so much more that's meant for them and really untapped potential. And what I do is identify that magic within them, which I call their secret sauce and really help them to embody it fully in a way where they fully believe in what they do and they can share that medicine and share that magic with the rest of the world because the world absolutely needs it. I love that. And what you do is just so, so powerful. It's definitely been, I mean, I haven't even, you know, spoken to you one-on-one before today, but even just, you know, listening to your podcast, it's been so impactful for me. So I can only imagine how much your clients get out of their experience. And I wanted to touch on something that you said, you said secret sauce. Can you like dive into that a little bit and explain it for anyone who might not know? Yeah, of course. So when I first started my business and you might've seen this around as well, the word niche kept popping up and not just niche, but like narrow your niche, like get really specific. It felt very restrictive to me in terms of finding a niche. Cause I think in the very beginning, when you're first starting your business, a lot of us don't even know what it is that we want to do, right? There is a percentage that does, of course, but there is also a percentage that really just wants to kind of go in and experiment and play and just kind of experience different things rather than 
getting really, really focused on here's the one thing I need to find my find to do. And then from there, I need to then narrow it down even further and refine it. And so the more I heard the word niche, the more debilitating it felt to me. And a lot of my students and the clients that I was working with at the time started coming to me from uh, hearing different messaging and different kind of conditioning and felt like, I don't know what to do. I feel very lost. Um, I feel like I need to find a niche, but I don't feel like I have one at this time. And so I kind of took the word and the meaning and essentially just expanded it in a way where I was able to give that power back to my students and my clients rather than a niche being something profitable that you pick up for the sake of building a course based on something that's trending, you are uncovering that secret sauce within yourself as the magic that's been there all along and reminding yourself that you are the physical incarnation of that magic where you get to share it with then the rest of the world. So I think there's a beauty that comes with secret sauce because it allows yourself to be expansive and And then everything that you do stems from that place rather than niching and finding something profitable, finding something strategic, doing and taking more action, which is external and outside of yourself. Secret sauce is essentially remembering who you are, why you're here, why you're meant to connect to the people that you're meant to. So it's very much more internal. I love that. And that's something that comes up a lot with my coaching students too. And just people that I talk to, you know, they're like, well, you know, everything that I'm trying to do is like already out there. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. But like, you've got your secret sauce, right? Like you, no one's going to do it the way that you do it. There's no, I mean, people try and say that there's like a formula to success. And I know this is something that you've touched on a lot is like, you know, what worked for you step-by-step may not work for the next person. And I mean, it probably shouldn't because everybody has, you know, different background, um, different passions and different secret sauce. So I love that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, People really need to hear it from your story, from your background, from your experience that you've had. And even if someone is teaching a very similar topic, which is totally fine, happens very commonly, they're coming from their experience and their lens. I think it's really important to, rather than just copying and pasting what we see online or what we see even our own coaches doing, is really connecting with what makes sense to us because your people are going to resonate with what resonates with you, right? They're going to resonate with you in your most unapologetic form versus a mask that you put on for the sake of uh, putting it on. For sure. And I can definitely attest to that. Like I've actually come across several people who are like, I remember there was someone who made a comment about like, oh, you know, you run your business based on like vibes and energy. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I'm proud of that. You know, like it doesn't maybe work for everybody, but that's okay. And even like too, um, I made it a goal for myself to like read a lot more this year in 2022. And I started with Gary V's book, Crush It. And I love Gary V. I think there's a lot of value in what he says, but I can definitely agree with you where, you know, one of your episodes, you're talking about like 
you know, oftentimes we're learning from like a white male or, you know, someone who has a totally different lens than us. And so for me, thankfully, I was able to like kind of pick and choose what resonates with me. And I'm like very aware of that. But for a lot of people first starting out and even for myself, like I invested in some courses, you know, I was trying to take advice from these people. And then I realized like, oh, actually, you know what? I have such a different experience. You know, I'm a person of color. Like it's just so different. And I love that you like, you know, take all of that into account when you work with anybody, because I feel like that's something that doesn't fully exist in the industry, or at least I haven't seen a lot of it is like, it's not just cookie cutter, you know, like you were talking about even including human design, you know, um, when it comes to business. So I love that, that you do that. It's just so different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the more that you're able to tap into what feels good to you, even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else and it doesn't have to, right. That's the beauty of going into business for yourself. And yeah, I don't listen to the entrepreneur bros of the world. (laughs) (laughs) The entrepreneur bros. I love that. Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. I want to back up just a little bit because I want to know, like, why do you do what you do? What is the heart behind your business? How did this all come about? Yeah. So that's a really good question. So before I started my business, I was working as a marketing and communications manager for a startup. And before, even before that, I had always worked several side hustles. I was a single mom on food stamps, really just barely making rent every single month, always figuring out like always trying to figure out where is either my next meal going to come from or how am I going to make rent this month? There were a lot of months where it came to rent and I barely had like a couple hundred dollars in my bank account, if not in the negatives. So it was constantly a lot of scarcity and survival mode because I didn't know anything else. And I live in the Bay area And this is something that a lot of people say is like, how am I ever going to afford a house in the Bay Area, right? Like it's very expensive here in Silicon Valley. And it's just kind of that mindset um, that I think is so easy to believe because there is just so much evidence and proof of it. Where when I started my manifestation journey and connecting with my energy and starting to break down a lot of the beliefs and I stopped, you know, saying negative things about money and people who had lots and lots of money because everything started shifting for me. There would be people around who would be like, what do you mean? Like, how could that possibly be true? Because of so I was working several jobs. I was going to school, raising my daughter. All of a sudden, COVID hit and I lost my job because we were downsizing. It was already a pretty small company. And I felt so devastated because I didn't think I was going to do what I was doing forever, but I felt safe there knowing that it was a steady income and knowing that it was an opportunity for me to grow. And so I was completely blindsided. I didn't see it coming. I mean, nobody saw the pandemic coming and there were so many unpredictable things that happened during that year of 2020. So 
what I did was I turned to my social media where I was a content creator and had been for a couple of years at that point. Um, I made a bit of money here and there collaborating with brands, but nothing, it was not a full-time job by any means. It was more so something I really enjoyed doing on the side. And then most recently I had been asked to do um, some more speaking opportunities and speaking on panels and different things like that. And I recently uh, was able to host my own little masterclass in San Francisco right before I left my job. And so I wasn't thinking about coaching now that I look back it the universe really lined it up perfectly for me though and the some of the students that ended up showing up to that master class were my very first um <clears throat> coaching students and wow. so the more I met with them and the more that I submerged myself into coaching, the more I just fell in love with it. And I knew that there was something so much bigger that I was meant to do outside of what I was doing in my day jobs. And I had a lot of experience in social media, but I wanted to be able to kind of take it by the reins and be in full control of my message and narrative versus being the behind the scenes for somebody else's brand and message, which I was really good at at that point. But I wanted to be able to um, kind of own that a little bit more. So I started taking on clients as a social media coach and it really blew up instantly. Like I did a ton of one-on-ones. I eventually opened up to group, uh, which is now what I teach my students in BAA to do. And then eventually I launched uh, Business Activation Academy, which is my one main, uh, main signature offer, the best way to work with me right now. That is an incredible story. And so this is so recent. I actually, I don't know if I even realized that how recent, you know, this journey has been, because you said just at the start of the pandemic, right, which is like two years ago. Yeah. So my business is not even two years old now. Um, and yeah, so within the first eight months, uh, six fig, I hit six figures within the first year, it was multi six figures. And then now it's been a little over a year and a half and I'm about to hit half a million. Wow. Congratulations. Like that is such a profound story and I can just relate on so many levels where you know you have this like scarcity and lack mindset you're kind of just surviving and I mean on top of that you also have a daughter right that you're providing for and so I wanted to know like you know how did you deal with that fear you know um the scarcity like do you deal with it now at all and if you do like what do you do to to get over that yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily about how I'm getting over it just because it's very, it's a very human thing to feel fear. And yeah. I think in the spiritual community, there's a lot of narrative about um, like killing your ego and getting rid of fear completely, which is just not realistic. Like it's your ego is always going to be there. And in fact, it's there for a reason. Right. right. And so and the same thing with fear, it's, it's there to teach you something. It's there to deliver a message. It's also not something that we're meant to be overly consumed by, but also if you're able to partner with it in a way, rather than let me 
kind of push this aside because it's a scary emotion, then you learn so much more from it. So towards the end of last year, something that I started doing a lot more intentionally was partnering with my emotions. So the emotion of disappointment was one that I never held space for in my body. I would just feel it a little bit and then just immediately push it away. And I wouldn't allow myself to just be in it. Even sadness, I could allow myself to be in it and be okay. But disappointment, I was so, I would make decisions based on like the least risk of disappointment constantly. And so a lot of the work that I did in terms of my emotions is learning to fully feel and process them versus try to push them away. And it's the same thing with fear and scarcity is recognizing that this is something that's natural and human and is going to come up and is going to be okay. But now I have the tools of being able to reframe things that happen in my life in order to actually believe and see what is not happening currently. So a lot of the belief work is recognizing that there is so much that's happening that you cannot see. And that I think is the biggest that's the biggest thing that we have to hold on to as business owners is that there is this entire life that's on the other side of, of fear and time and aligned action and intention and belief. And I think that so many people end up giving up before they even get close to it because it's difficult to hold on to that, especially when there are people telling you in all directions, what are you doing? This is not sustainable. This is not safe. You need a steady paycheck, right? All with well intentions. Um, but at the same time, there's so much beauty that happens when you're able to hold space for the scarcity and then allow yourself to reframe it into what do I want to choose to believe about this moment? What is actually happening here? Is it actually, um, Is it actually that, you know, my business is crumbling, which is a thought, or is it that I've had lower cash months than I've had the past couple of months, which is circumstance, right? So it's recognizing what you're choosing to believe and the stories that you're telling yourself that will create the results that you want inside your life. Yes, I love that. It's so true. And even it's actually funny that we're talking about this today because my podcast episode that I released this morning was actually all about like leaning into the unknown, you know, leaning into that fear a little bit. Um, I was talking about how like I have a certain income goal for myself and I kind of got tripped up and I started like planning, okay, this is how many coaching students I would need or, you know, this is how many clients I need to land this, this and that. But I was like, actually, screw the how, you know, like I don't need to necessarily worry about that. Um, as much as it's nice to plan out your intentions and, and whatever else, like we just don't know all of the good things that are coming. Um, and so I love that you said, you know, like just, you kind of have to just trust in the unseen. Right. And I feel like that's not something people talk about, especially when it comes to business. Everyone is very like, you know, look at the analytics plan, plan, plan. Like you need to have these, you know, super intense strategies in place, but you know, I don't believe that you do. I mean, cool. That's one way to do it. And if that works for you, cool. But for me, like I'm, I'm very much like, you know, believe in the unseen go based off of energy and what feels right. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My parents think I'm that I've lost it. Uh, my dad, <laughs> my dad is a partner at this risk executive firm. My mom is a, a an accountant, so they're very like numbers people, like very very yeah. analytical. My dad literally works with risk management for his job. So <laughs> anything that I try to do or propose in terms of like, this is what I'm trying out with my business. It's literally like he's listing off like 20 other things that are like, well, have you thought about this? And you need to be, you know, you need to think about that. Or what if this happens, then what are you going to do? And I'm like, I haven't even thought that <laughs> far. So yeah, I think that what works for certain people is always going to be very different than a lot of the people around them. And I think especially when it comes to manifestation and building your business based on your energy and connecting with your own energy there, of course, because the way that business has been built this entire time is from systems of supremacy, like industrialism, like the patriarchy, like capitalism that are very heavy on the wounded masculine. So if we try to bring in the divine feminine of connecting with your intuition and setting intentions and being very flowy with it and connecting with our bodies, of course, the wounded masculine that's always been threatened by the feminine is going to want to come in and take over and come with that agenda and narrative of crush it, crush your competition, be one step ahead of other people, how to make as much money and work as hard as you can, right? That's very much the narrative of the wounded masculine. And it's up to us to say, Hey, it's great for you, but I, that doesn't apply to me. Yes. I love that you talked about that because I just feel like I get weird looks or like you know, people are very confused when I kind of explain like how I make my choices and how, you know, this year I'm just, you know, learning to trust myself more. And they're like, well, okay, but what data like supports that? Like, well, (laughs) you know, it's about the unseen. It's about that feeling of knowing. And I think that even as women too, in business, I feel like there's a whole other layer, you know, especially like as a mom, you know, you're expected to, you know, you work and you work on your career and then you come home and then you're taking care of the kids and you're cleaning, you're doing all these things, right? Like, thankfully my partner, like he knew from the beginning, I was like, just so you know, this is not me, you know, we are doing this together and whatever, but I know that's not the case. Um, and I don't have children. So, you know, I don't even know what that kind of layer is like, but, you know, I can imagine it. It's just harder for, for women. Right. Yeah. I think that there's so many things that there's so much unspoken expectation that falls on women's shoulders that just happen essentially automatically. Um, I think that when it comes to motherhood, there is a lot that falls on the woman as the Mm -hmm. default caretaker, the one who's handling all of the paperwork, the one that's bringing the children to school and to all the classes. Like there's a lot of just expected narrative when I'm taking care of my daughter and then I'm, I'm working. And even though I work from home and it's not an actual office space, like, because I am a woman, my, 
business or I I'm expected, like, even if I'm, you know, making calls for my daughter's appointments and asking for insurance, it's automatically asking about her dad. It's automatically asking about her dad's job, right? It's automatically assuming that, um, you know, her, her dad's last name is my last name. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's there's so many like subtle narratives of the patriarchy and how that really breeds into every single area of our lives where it is the mothers that end up doing most of the work. It literally is unpaid labor. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, commonly and oftentimes it is the men that are seen as more credible so that even women who do go off and work or do have their own businesses, they come home and they have essentially what's called the invisible shift of still having to take care of the dishes and the house and to the children and get them to bed and somehow still find time for herself, right? So if anyone's interested in hearing more about this and why women are constantly overwhelmed and and still feeling like they need to do more. Um, It's this term called the patriarchy stress disorder by Dr. Valerie Rain, who wrote a book on this called the patriarchy stress disorder where we can see how the patriarchy literally breaks down uh, this concept of women still feeling like they need to do more and more and more, still feeling like they're never enough after they've done it all or done all the right things and still feel like they have the world on their shoulders or aren't able to rest or these stories that sound insane, but are just so common of women getting sick and and asking if they can stay in the hospital, even though they're fine, because that's like the first amount of rest that anyone will actually believe uh, that they are worthy of because they're not taking breaks enough in their life. Yes, that is so, so important. And honestly, I can relate just like growing up with my mom, she's a single mom and, you know, she worked her ass off and that's kind of all I saw, you know? And then even when I got older and I was paying for university and these things, like I would work 60 hours a week while in university and I would be proud of myself. Like I was proud of the hustle mentality. I was like proud to say that I was never sleeping and all of this because somehow that made me feel more productive, right? Like, And I think that's something else that's important too, is that, um, you said this in one of your podcasts, I keep referring to the pod, but you just have so much value in there. But, you know, you said that we have forgotten how to just be, you know, and we measure our worth based on our productivity. And I was wondering if you could dive into that a little bit on just like why it's important to just be and to not, you know, tie our worth to what we're creating. Yeah, absolutely. I think through industrialism, so post the post-industrialism revolution, everything that people did on assembly lines was essentially based on their, their time. So more time you put in, more money they would make, right? More things they would create, more things that would get pushed out into the world. And that's the mentality that our parents grew up with and our parents' parents grew up with. And it's not a reality anymore. We can literally create a course that makes thousands, if not millions of dollars where we don't even have to lift a finger anymore. We don't have to work hard in order to make more money. But because of the industrialism mentality and how that's been bled into, it's actually the reason that schools were created was so that they can create more workers and so that people can make more money, right? It wasn't necessarily to 
to educate children, it's literally been ingrained in our brains, not even to mention epigenetics, where we hold the trauma and the stories and the wounds of our grandparents up to six, eight, six to eight generations. That is the mentality. That is the fear That is what we hold inside our blood, inside our DNA. So especially if you're a person of color or there's immigration in your bloodline or if people are fleeing from whatever it might be, disaster, um, threats in their life. There are people that have discovered um, the reason that they overeat is because sometime in their generation, their grandparents had no food. So whatever food they have, they would scarf it down immediately and eat as much as they can. And so people now living in, in the modern world or in America, maybe don't have to do that anymore. They have the privilege of not having to worry about that, but yet they're still constantly overeating because that's in their blood. And so I think it's really important to note that and really think about how that relates to our society and productivity and how that's something we're taught at honestly, a really young age, right? Laying on the couch or taking breaks for yourself is seen as lazy. Like you're not able to actually, you know, do the things that you want to do because you should be doing something more productive, like homework or, um, you know, helping around the house. Right. And so I think that over time, this is translated into worth where the more productive you are, the more achievement you have, the more worthy you are as a person. And that ends up getting really muddled because there's never enough action that's going to create a feeling. The feeling has to come first, and then you take the aligned action in order to really, um, you know, drive it in. And so I think that this is what causes this very chronic, overworked, overtired, very, you know, work focused and driven society and culture that doesn't even stop to recognize what it's doing because of systems like the industrialism um, mindset and how that's bled into the school system, how it's bled into work and work culture and hustle culture and what is deemed good versus what is not so good based on productivity, which by the way, is all made up. Yeah, that's so powerful. And it's true. Like, you know, if you're laying on the couch, or at least for me, sometimes, and I'm definitely getting better now for sure. But sometimes I'd be like, oh, I feel like garbage right now. You know, like I should be doing something, but rest is productive. And it's interesting too, because earlier in this episode, you were talking about women who are in the hospital who like want to stay longer because it's the most rest they've gotten. And actually on November 9th, um, I went for surgery. I'm actually sitting in a wheelchair right now. You can't see it, but I'm still recovering. I've got a total of 12 weeks before I can walk. And I was honestly like, okay, this forced me, like forced me to slow down because prior to this, like, and I mean, granted, because of COVID and all of these things, like my surgery had been pushed back. So I kind of found out like last minute, I had like a month's notice of like, oh, do you want to go on November 9th? And I was like, sure, I guess, because, you know, it's kind of now or never. And so 
before I went, I worked my butt off like 12 hour days every day, making sure all my social media clients were good, making sure everything was planned. There's all these like holiday campaigns that were coming up. Right. And so I just worked so much to like midnight every single night. And then when I went for surgery, it was obviously like, you know, I was forced to stop and one of my friends had actually said to me, cause, uh, she came to visit me like the day after I got home and she's like, okay, let me know when you start healing. So I know when I need to book my time with you again, cause I know you're going to get so busy. And I was like, ew, that sucks. You know, like, I don't want to hear that. And I, I don't want to be so busy working that I miss like all of these amazing moments to just be and to hang out with my friends and like be outside of nature. I don't want to do that. Um, and I don't regret, you know, working on my business, but I just know there's another way to go about it. And my whole thing this year is like work smarter and not harder. So yeah, it's just really important. Like rest is so productive because when I'm exhausted, I know I'm not fun to be around. Like I am cranky, you know, I'm giving like whatever's left to my loved ones. And that's not ideal, right? I feel like, you know, resting and self-care is necessary so that you can show up for people. So you can be more impactful. And that's just not, it's not taught. And like, I used to be a teacher actually. Um, that was my first career. And there was just so much about the school system that I just did not agree with. And one of them was just like, we didn't teach self-care or rest. And like, why are these five or six year old kids in school for eight hours a day? Like, it just seems so crazy to me. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's just, it's so important. Resting is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. I think that's a very, very common experience that a lot of people have because that's all we've seen and grown up with where like, even in, you know, we, we just went through the holidays, like most of what's happening are women bustling around in the kitchen, making sure everyone's okay, not resting yeah. or not even being able to eat while men are just kind of sitting back and drinking beer and being able to enjoy the food. It's like, that is very much the patriarchy and is something that needs to be called out. And sometimes when it comes to women and, and folks that are socialized as women in society are being forced to like, like your experience through surgery or whatever it might be to literally, it's our body's way of saying, slow down. Like I can't handle this anymore, you know? And so, yeah, I, I had a similar um, realization when I started getting like really dizzy, I got vertigo. I was not feeling good. I was very depressed. I knew that I was way too much in my wounded masculine and I had to like pull myself and it was difficult. It was like prying this laptop out of my cold, dead hands that I would bring <laughs> yeah. into my bedroom and literally be working until I was exhausted, like 2 AM in the morning, put it aside next to me, wake up in the morning, go again. Right. It was like a very, very constant thing until I was able to set those boundaries in order to, um, and not even the boundaries first, like the belief first that I was worth resting and that I didn't need to be on all the time and be a lot smarter with, um, with my time and being more intentional when I was working. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really important too, because, you know, setting boundaries, especially, well, I don't want to say, especially when you're like running your own business. Cause I think it's important no matter what job you're working or what you're doing. But I feel like for me, I had this mentality where I was like, okay, 
you quit your nine to five, you're so lucky, you know, like you should be so grateful. And who cares if you're working 12 hour days, because at least you're working on it for you and you're not working for the man or whatever. And I had just like convinced myself that it was okay, but it's not, or at least it's not for me. Um, and so I wanted to know, like, do you have like a morning ritual or something that you do so that you can care for yourself while still, you know, working on your business and doing all of these things? Yeah, I I don't plan anything. I'm not organized. I have no routines in my life other than like the same thing I order from Chipotle. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't have a routine. I don't meditate every day. I don't journal every day. I'm just kind of like very flowy. I'm just like go with the flow, like whatever goes. Um, I I can tell, like I've switched my entire work and lifestyle to really like combine with one another so that I never have to get to a point where I realize like, oh my God, I haven't taken care of myself so that like a lot of what I do and how many hours I allow myself to work and what I am doing all just kind of works within itself. So like, for example, I was taking on like so many one-on-one clients. I was doing group programs. I was doing multiple different offers in my business and I was exhausted, right? There was like, I I tried to do an offer at every price point, which like don't recommend, don't teach that to my BAA students. Um, So I I got rid of so much because I could feel it really weighing on me. And now what I teach is Business Activation Academy, which is an ongoing offer that I get to invite people into. And there's weekly group coaching and there's coaching inside the Facebook group. And it's just so much more aligned and it just lights me up thinking about it, getting to do it, working with the students inside of it and just seeing their transformations without having to to do back to back to back calls or constantly being on. There was a time where I would be working with like over 20 clients at the same time. And I think that that's really important to do when you're first building your business in the first year, the first two years, right? Like you want to start with one-on-one work because it gets you good at like answering. Like now with my group calls, like someone can open their mouth for a couple seconds and I'm like, yep, I know exactly how to coach you. I know exactly (laughs) what you're going through because I've done one-on-one work like over over and over and over with the same exact things where I'm literally in their brains right now. Um, So that's a really, really good feeling, but also it was starting to drive me further into the ground. So I feel like baking that into my business and, and my lifestyle is something that I've learned to do. It definitely did not happen overnight. And I had to realize what I needed and what my business needed and how I can kind of intertwine both of them. Um, I have a standing massage appointment every other week. Um, I don't take calls until after 11 a.m. in the morning. I am not available for pick your brain type of calls or any type of like free advice. So there's a lot (laughs) where I've learned not to leak my energy to anybody so that I'm not feeling overwhelmed anymore. I'm very serious about like who I'm offering my energy to preserving that for my clients, for myself, for my daughter. So that when I am showing up in different ways, I'm not exhausted because I've done a little bit of everything and I've helped out every single person and I've done every single offer. It's like, it's a lot more cleaned up now. Um, and I just feel so much better about it. I love that. And I love that you said, you know, you don't leak your energy. I don't think I've ever heard someone say that before, but it just like puts such a good visualization in my head. You know, it truly is like when someone 
I remember doing this a lot. Someone would message me and say like, oh, I just have a few questions, you know, and then it turned into this huge thing. And I'm spending so much energy on these people. And I mean, of course, it's different if you're like my friend and I whatever, you know, we know each other personally, that's fine. But if you're a stranger on the internet, you know, now I just say, it sounds like you're looking for one-on-one coaching, you know, here's what I offer. And it's true. Like I just have so much more energy and for the people who are ready to invest in themselves, you know, and really like take that step, then I have that energy to give to them. Um, and you've talked a lot about like, you know, the importance of investing in yourself and the energy and high vibe that it brings. Can you explain to people why it's important to do this, even when it feels scary? Yeah. So this is honestly the thing that shifted me from being the aspiring coach to be, to becoming the coach that's now making nearly half a million dollars in revenue in my business is investments. And I'm, I'm proud to say that like, I am not holding on to every single percentage of that revenue because a lot of it has gone back into coaching, um, in order for me to then make like 10 X the amount and be able to help even more people and become more successful in my craft. So I always like to say, if you're, if you're a coach, cause I am a coach for coaches, if you're not investing in yourself, how can you possibly expect someone to invest in you? Right. I truly think it's powerful for coaches to be in masterminds or to be working with their own coach, um, in order to continue growing and having someone to identify certain gaps in your belief system, um, be able to share the blind spots that you might not see for yourself. And just going back to your example of people, you know, knocking on the door of your DMs, trying to ask for free information. Like how often is it that someone's actually going to like, say that you gave them like the, your best, you know, coaching and, and information, whatever it is that they're asking for. It's very rare that someone's actually going to go out there and be like, yeah, I'm like, I've lit, you know, got a fire lit under me and I'm going to go and take this action. And I'm so lit up by it. Like chances are they're not right even with my own students they've purchased you know lower ticket offers of like you know a mini course for a hundred dollars here or a little a little program for like two or three hundred dollars there but when they invest in a multi four-figure investment like my academy they're showing up as a different version of themselves right not even comparing like two different people like one person (laughs) yeah same person, different investment points. They're showing up. They're at all the calls. They're taking all of the notes. They are really like so committed to a point where something has to be said about that. And the way that I see it is the energetic transaction where coaching is not meant to be free. It's not meant to be a low ticket offer because of the transformation that happens within it. When you have skin in the game and when that investment stretches you just a little bit, it allows you to jump into your quantum leap, become the version that you're meant to be. If it was so easy and so simple and a no brainer cost, there's not a lot of growth happening there, right? It's just way too simple and it doesn't get you in the mindset of like, how do I show up as the highest version of myself? How do I show up and really set an intention for this course 
and make the most out of it. Right. So, right. Like going back to your example of someone asking for that free content versus them investing in your one-on-one program, they're going to take a lot more action and do a lot more aligned work in your one-on-one program because now they have someone who's holding them accountable. They're learning to hold themselves accountable. They're learning to take responsibility for their own actions. There's so much more that happens in a energetic container and sometimes happens instantaneously where I've invested in coaches and then somehow made the amount back in like the next week or the next month. Yeah. Because it's just such a powerful transaction. It's such a powerful relationship and connection where you are then forced to show up. I truly believe that the transformation is in the transaction. It is. And even just like an example, you know, even outside of this, like I remember when I was in university and of course, this is not like every single case because I definitely know people who had university paid for who like, you know, really got good grades and whatever. But like for me, I remember because I was paying for my own university and this was like thousands of dollars of tuition. I was like, okay, like I have to do well. Like I'm spending way too much money on this to skip class, to slack off. Like I'm out here trying to get good grades. I'm going to apply for grants and scholarships and all the things. Cause I was like, I couldn't like fathom the idea of working my ass off on these serving jobs to pay for university when I was going to slack off, you know? And I feel like it's the same concept here where it's like, if, you know, if we're offering these low ticket offers and there's not that much feeling of risk or like investment, people, people don't take it seriously. And that's why even for me, like, you know, in the first few months of my business, I would take any offer. I would create any bundle in anyone's budget. I remember actually asking people, what is your budget? I can work around it, (laughs) you know, because I just like, I just wanted the clients. I just wanted the work. And now I'm really like, no, there's one offer because I know this is what works. And, you know, for both, both parties and, you know, why, why am I selling myself short? You know, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's really powerful to recognize that. And once you do, there's so many doors that open metaphorically and just energetically in the world and align with the person that you're deciding to be in that moment. That's just really magical. And do you think that when it comes to manifestation, like, you know, I've often heard people say you need to get in that vibe. So, you know, if you want to be, you know, this business person and you want to, you know, be a coach who's offering these high ticket prices, like, you know, you should be investing in yourself and taking that risk as well. Like, do you think that has something to do with, you know, your manifestations coming to fruition is just being in that high vibration? Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you are able to invest in higher investments for yourself, there's a different level of transformation because of who you are committing to be, right? So it's not just the act of paying a high ticket price point and then going into the program. You actually have to be able to follow through with 
the actions and taking on the coaching and actually being coachable and then being able to take responsibility for the actions that you've created up until this point and allowing yourself to believe and do something different. I think that's something that's really powerful is allowing yourself when you've chosen to be in a container is being open to what it is that you're there to receive, even if it might not be what you came there for. And I think that when you open yourself to a higher, uh, a higher ticket container and you're doing higher level thinking and decision-making and action taking, there's just so much that happens that then allows you to do things like raise your prices and to, you know, get clearer on your business plan and what you want to create as well as your own energy. Because when you're surrounding yourself with people that are thinking like you and, or are people that are the version of you that you're aiming to become, you can't help, but kind of soak up all of those, um, like all of that, like magical energy and fairy dust and essentially absorb that into yourself and your business as well. Yeah, I think it's so true. You know, people always say like, you are who you surround yourself with. And I mean, that would include coaches and, you know, teachers and people, you know, that are offering courses. Like, I think that all counts. And I wanted to touch on something that you said about like raising your prices. So I, even for me as a business owner, I've always been a little nervous when I'm like, okay, I'm going to raise my prices for coaching or, okay, I'm going to, you know, change the, the package price for social media management. Um, I've talked to a lot of friends as well who are either in the same industry or maybe they're makeup artists or hairstylists. And they're always, you know, we're always a little bit nervous to raise the prices. So can you speak on that a little bit and like how to like tackle that head on? Yeah. So first of all, men are not worried about raising their prices. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. All the people I'm thinking of that I've talked to about this are women. Yeah. Yeah. We're taught taught to not ask. We're taught to not be bigger versions of ourselves. We're taught to be small and meek and go with the flow and really just accept what we've been given and be happy about it. Right. And essentially put up and shut up type of energy. And so when I, because most of the, the people that I serve are, um, are women or people socialized as women and then a couple of queer men. And this is something that happens a lot is because of the conditioning and the narrative that we've been fed as women and even the, even in a corporate environment, right? Asking for a raise that used to, that would be enough to give me an anxiety attack. (laughs) I will just stick to this below minimum wage and wear all the hats instead of like having to, you know, I mean, I'm a completely different person now, but it had to take me recognizing that there is so much value in what it is that I'm offering. So I think it really starts with the belief, which is why in BAA, I have my students. So a lot of my coaches are at like different um, places of their journey as a coach, which is really beautiful because then like the coaches that have experienced certain things are able to coach other coaches and just really be able to speak to their experience. But if they are like starting out at the very, very beginning, I like to have them start at a price point that essentially feels like a fuck yes to them 
and would feel like a fuck yes to their clients. And then that helps them to not be constantly thinking about the price of like, oh my God, I have to, uh, you know, I have to like, what's the phrase I have to really like, um, show people that I am like worth this price and all the drama that comes with it. It's like, you get to have the belief that works well for that moment, gain the experience, work with beta clients or practice clients. If you're not familiar with that term for anyone who's listening. And then once you gain that experience, then you're able to refine it a bit. You've got a little more confidence because you're like, Hey, I can actually do this. And then you start seeing client wins come through, which in the very beginning, as a coach, that is just like, Oh, it's yeah. like, <laughs> right. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. getting those transformations and you're like, Whoa, this wasn't in my head all along. I know what I'm doing. And then you get to feel good about raising them from 700 to $900, right. Or from $900 to um, $1,100 or a thousand. So there is this, you know, confidence that you get when you're raising your prices and you get to do this energetically. But I think the first thing to recognize is like, why is this so difficult for women? What is the, um, what is the culture behind this that is perpetuating women and, and keeping them really small and not being able to ask for what it is that they want? And then secondly, what is the belief that you have within yourself? And what is the belief that you have within your clients? How can you put yourself in the reframe of this actually being the best thing for your clients and them actually being excited to pay you your new price, right? I think that's something that can be a little mind boggling, especially in the very beginning for new coaches. But if you ask yourself, like, how is this actually the best thing for my client? Because guess what? When you're choosing to raise your prices energetically, it means that you've gotten, you know, your clients have gotten more results. You are up leveling energetically. You've like broken through to this next level as a coach. They should yeah. be excited to get even more transformation through working with you because then they're going to bring themselves into their next level as the client. So it really is a win-win-win situation when you're able to look at it that way, especially if you are teaching money mindset or you're talking to them about money mindset, you're being able to coach them on it. This is something that your clients can actually start getting excited for. I know when I pay my coach, I actually get really excited about it. I like look forward to it it. And it's something that just makes me really happy because I know I'm just telling myself like, Oh my gosh, I can't even wait for the transformation that's about to happen. Yes. That is so powerful. And I feel like I knew that, but I just needed to hear it (laughs) because it's so true. Like I get excited when I invest in my business as well, whether it's coaching or, um, even an ebook or like a course, like whatever it is, because I know I'm able to reach a new level. So I love that. And I wanted to ask you about BAA. So business activation Academy, you've touched on it quite a few times. It's obviously an amazing program. So who is BAA for? Yeah. Oh, I love talking about VAA because it makes me so happy. And it's really been like the, it's been like the, um, combination of like so much of what I've learned and poured my heart into as a coach. So BAA stands for Business Activation Academy. Like you said, it's for coaches that are looking to build their signature offer as a coach and really learning to coach and have the support and guidance as you're working with and learning how to book your first paid clients. So I have an entire module on 
how to really uncover your secret sauce as a coach. So if you have no idea where to start, that's where you start. Um, if you know what that is, you're jumping more into marketing and selling. So I have an entire BAA sales system that you can essentially apply as your own and make your own based on the program that you're creating. There's also a module on designing your magical offer. So some people want to create IP, so their own intellectual property with their own pre-recorded lessons, modules, things like that. Some people just want to have the experience of one-on-one -on -one coaching with no re-recorded -re -re uh, re modules, pre-recorded modules, no... Um, lessons or courses or anything like that, literally just getting on Zoom and coaching their clients and they want to get really, really good at that. And I also love the variety because I serve a like just a diverse range of coaches where I have life coaches, self-love coaches, relationship coaches, health coaches, uh, other business coaches and social media coaches and just all different types of coaches, coaches that are creating their own titles as coaches. Like one of my students, um, named themselves the mindset manifestation and movement coach because of their experience and background in dance, moving your body embodiment, but also manifestation and mindset work, which I thought was such a beautiful way to kind of uh, accumulate all of your skills and the secret sauce that he discovered through the program. And so a lot of the people are, you know, walking away with their entirely created program or a refined offer where they're able to then work with their paid clients. And then from there, gain the experience and really transform into who they want to be as a coach. And I don't put a lot of pressure on having to essentially book clients as soon as you are, you know, going through the program. I essentially want the course material to be more of like an encyclopedia that you can continue referring back to while you're getting on sales calls, which I teach you what to do and how to say and how to show up, how to energetically align yourself to the results that you want. And because it is an evergreen offer, all of the students get access to the live calls every single week, as well as lifetime access to the material. So you're referring back to the material, um, experiencing and doing your own trial and error, which I think is so important in business. And then you get to bring whatever you want to get coached on to those weekly calls. And the container I've created in order for my clients to be able to do that and to be in their own trial and error versus like Tiffany did this and Tiffany's teaching me this. And so I'm going to go and do that because that's what I was told to do. It's more so how can I take that sovereign reign over my own business and figure out what works for me, even if it looks a little bit different than my coach and, and looks different than Tiffany's, I'm going to create this new method that I feel really good about and and this is my offer. And these are the clients I want to work with. So it's beautiful that each one of the students that have gone through the same program essentially get to choose their own adventure and come out with like different offers and different secret sauces and different methods and different ways of showing up. And it's been really beautiful. Wow, that sounds absolutely incredible. Congratulations just on like coming up with something like this and doing something so impactful. Like I can literally see that you light up when you talk about this. And I know it's because you genuinely know that like you are impacting these people in such a positive way. So that's just so incredible. Congratulations on everything. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It took, it took a while. I've created like a couple of different programs before I got to this one. And it just feels really good to be able to have a program that I'm like, Hey, this is like the best stuff and I'm able to share it with you. And then of course the coaching component where I just love to coach. And so being able to continue coaching my clients is really beautiful. But if anyone's feeling called to it, um, tiffanychung.co slash BAA has all of the information that you need to know about the BAA goodness. Amazing. I will definitely leave that in the show notes. And I have one last question for you that's super unrelated from everything else that we talked about today. (laughs) So I know that you're in the Bay Area currently. And my friend Sam and I are actually planning to visit this late August, maybe September. So I wanted to know, like, do you have any recommendations for fun outdoorsy spots or cafes or just anything that's like a must see in San Francisco? Yeah. Well, first of all, if you have time, would love to get coffee with you or something. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Okay. Would love to do that. (laughs) But if you're going to San Francisco, I mean, it really, it depends on the vibe that you're looking for. There's so many things to explore and you can't go wrong. Like I really love being a Bay area native and just like having grown up and been raised here my entire life. Um, Yelp is really, really good for local restaurants. But in San Francisco, if you're visiting, um, the Golden Gate Bridge is really beautiful to see. Dolores Park is really beautiful to chill at. Um, There are a variety of museums that should be open around that time. So if you enjoy museums, looking at different exhibits, they constantly change. And there's Uh, often pop-up museums. So that's always something that's really, really fun to do. But other than that, there's so there's like, I can't even name uh, (laughs) like the restaurants and the food is really, really incredible. I would recommend if you like seafood going through Fisherman's uh, Wharf and Mm -hmm. there's a ton of really good restaurants over there, but I'm happy to, um, share a couple more recommendations via messages as they kind of come up to me and share a little bit more, but yeah, would love to see you and meet you in person too. Oh my gosh. I am so excited that you said you want to meet me for coffee because I was planning to ask you. So this is perfect. Yes. Okay. Let's definitely, definitely make that happen. I'll let you know as soon as we've booked and then we'll set something up. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much for being here today. Thank you for dropping all of those gems. I know for sure this is going to be an episode that I replay and replay and take notes because like you just gave so, so much. And um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I hang out the most on Instagram and I'm on Instagram at Tiffany Chung, C-H-E-U-N-G dot C-O. And I actually respond to every single one of my messages. So if you have a takeaway listening from this episode or questions or something that you want to share, um, I'm more than happy to respond and just chat in the DMs. And 
yeah, the BAA link was tiffanychung.co slash BAA. That's also my website as well. But yeah, Instagram would just be the quickest way to contact me if you have any questions or if there's anything that you want to share with me and just love having those conversations and being able to connect. So that's that. And then my podcast is the Social Reset Podcast, and that's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, essentially anywhere that you listen. And the podcast is mainly focused on being a new coach, steps that you can take, manifestation, energy work. If you're curious about any of the topics that Taylor and I touched on today, I have a deep dive on essentially every single one of them on my (laughs) podcast. So that might be fun to binge. And that's the Social Reset Podcast. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for being here. If you guys want to keep up with me, you know where to find me. I'm at Taylor Francisco on Instagram and also at Tiny Moments Podcast. And if you want to listen every week, I upload on Mondays at 7 a.m. Central Time. But yeah, thank you so much again. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.